You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you is Frankie Palmieri from Amur. Now, the reason for the chat with Frankie is to promote Amur's new album, which will be out on June 26th via Sharptone Records. It's called Hindsight, and it is absolutely a killer release, one of the albums of the year by a long shot. Now... This is actually my first chat with Frankie since the last time I spoke to him, which is in 2016. A lot of water has passed under the bridge then. He was my second ever interview subject on this indie podcast and indie journalism odyssey of mine, and I'm well over 550 at this point, so it was sort of a bit of a milestone for me to actually chat to him again. I must say the first two or three minutes of the chat weren't recorded, and the reason for that is I've had all sorts of issues with my core recording software. I won't go into the many reasons, although if you use any applications via Mac these days, you'll know that Apple has been doing all sorts of updates, and same thing with Adobe and Skype, and oftentimes they're not compatible with each other, but you don't know that until you go to do what you want to do. Either way, the conversation uh, did kick off with me, sharing with Frankie that I think the band is extremely important to heavy metal in 2020 and Frankie graciously accepts the compliment and then the conversation moves forward from there and that's where we'll start things right now. So here he is, Frankie Palmieri from Amur. For you to see um, those kind of things. So um, yeah, it's no a Yeah, killer. Well, look, look, I, I might be wrong here because I've read a few of your interviews, but God knows whether or not people are quoting you appropriately or correctly. But I, I under, and I listened to a conversation that actually Josh had with uh, Doc Coyle from uh, God Forbid on his podcast as well. But mate, my question for you is: I understand that Josh creates a lot of the music and then brings it to you, not fully formed, but some of these sketches, some of these riffs and the like, and you guys then work on crafting a song. Is that how it works? Yeah, I would say like almost ninety percent of what you hear is done like that, and then there's like those very rare moments where like I'll have a composition in my mind of what I would like to hear and I use Josh as like a vehicle to kind of transpose it or whatever um Mm -hmm. so yeah uh it definitely happens a lot like like you know like you mentioned where um Josh will have like a riff or something like that or something he's working on and I'll take it and I'll just tweak it and filter it in a way that kind of makes it more uh aligned with what I consider to be the what this band is recognized for you know which is like fun tenacious like um, emotionally authentic, you know, aggressive music. So, indeed, I think you just captured what the band is all about in a sentence. There, I mean, it is a fun band. It's you're playing brutally heavy music, but this isn't depressing shit. This is not like doom metal, which I know has got that intention to it because it's meant to be something that causes you to reflect a bit. But yours is a sort of stuff, mate. You're driving along in the car and you're on the open highway and, you know, using our system, you're going 110 kilometres an hour instead of miles an hour, or you're at the gym, or you're going for a run, this sort of thing. Your music is is truly a uh, an accompaniment to an active lifestyle. And that that's obviously uh, some of your intent as well, mate. So, you know, do, do you have... I know that guys like... Um, Chino from the Deftones and the like, they've got these side projects where the music isn't quite as full on as what their their day job is in inverted commas. So is that something for you too? Is that something that you're looking into as well, maybe doing something that is a little bit outside of a mule or is it just about a mule for yourself? Um, I mean, I, I do like to create music on my own time and terms that isn't involved with, you know, in here as an entity whatsoever. I don't know what I'll end up doing with that stuff. I don't know if maybe one day I'll like release some kind of huge like 
mysterious discography, you know, music I've been writing over the years. But um, I like to put all my all my energy in terms of like aggressive music and that kind of output definitely into a mirror. Um, I think that being that you know there's just such like a history with the band, I have mm. so much more. To, I have so much more to gain by building upon that rather than kind of creating these distract distractions. Um, I mean, I don't know. Right, I, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I don't, I, I don't consider myself to be like an artist, like a Chino Marino where like his voice, in my opinion, you know, could exit, not exit permanently, but like a step away from Deftones and still create something that Deftones fans or just fans of him will continue to like digest and, um, you know, appreciate. I don't know if, uh, if I have, I'm not to put limitations on myself, but I just don't know if I've got that in me at the moment. So it's just better for me to just put a lot of energy into a mirror, you know, and not causing distractions, not give people the opportunity to be like, oh, you, you know, a mirror is cool, but this other project you're doing is way better. It's like, you know, I'd rather just people focus on what I'm focusing on. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think it's all the better for it. Yeah. you. you uh, the thing I love about hindsight, mate, it's I think it's about 30 minutes long. And it reminds me very much in spirit of Rain in Blood. And the reason I say that is because I was, I'm back at uni these days. I'm in my final semester. I'm almost done. I was doing an essay last night, but I think I had hindsight on three or four times in a row. It's an album that contains so many hooks and there's so many deep layers there that I think even if you, you extended it out to, say, 45 minutes or so, some of that might have been diluted a little bit. So was that something too that yourself and Josh did you go make these songs? We're not going to repeat any ideas here. They're going to come at people once, and that's it. Yeah, I, I just feel like if something feels good, you know, presented as is, there's no reason to chase after it and dilute it. You know, if if that one part of the song is just so stand out, then that's where it stand out. You know, I'm not going to like stretch out, you know, an idea just to get to that one really great part again like that was when it happened and that's it and I, I feel comfortable with that and i like that and just in general like in music i mean i don't know like what other people you know do in from in terms of their ideal arrangement but i i don't really care about like what uh i guess uh modern or like contemporary like you, you know um, songwriting is, you know, I don't really care. To me, to me, it's like, as long as the feeling and idea gets across, then you know the mission is accomplished. You know, then, then that's a job well done as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, it's cool that you know, from a listener perspective, like like you're saying, like it just it hits you once and then you wish it would come back. But it it just gives you all the reason to appreciate the moment for what it is even more. I feel you know that's just my take on it. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Yeah. But uh, look, the other thing too is I, I deep dive into some of the lyrics. Certainly, as you know, fans are fairly keen to understand what your thoughts are about things. And there are some lyrics that have already been posted to the internet from the songs that that have been in the public domain. And there are plenty of clues as to what some of the lyrics might be about. But uh, there, there is some discussion on some of the online, or yeah, Facebook, of course, that's the online forum these days, but about the lyrics to I've Seen God. So can you share what the deeper detail on those lyrics there, or would you rather it remain a bit cryptic? Well, I've already explained it a few times, so I guess it would really hurt to say it here, but um, a lot of Amir songs, people don't probably realize this, but they're kind of schizophrenic in theme. Like, I, I usually take two ideas that are not related and then end up intertwining them. They end up becoming one kind of story being told at the same time. And that happens with a lot of Amir songs. So with, with I've Seen God, um, the, 
the part I could just I should describe first is um, the lyrics I both see and am God. I took that lyric or that line from a episode of The Simpsons I was watching. Uh, uh, Principal Skinner is at like some kind of like science fair, and he accidentally eats like some kind of hallucinogen, and so he's hallucinating, <laughs> and he says he says to um, I forgot what his boss's name is Shalmer or something like that. He says, yep. uh, "I both see and am God," and I just thought that <laughs> that was such like a funny but like profound way to describe what like being in a hallucinogenic experience feels like. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's just one lyric I'm describing, but that's the source material. Is that was literally where I got it from, and then off of that I concept of hallucinating and tripping and that kind of experience. Um, being as unique as it is, I, that's what the other lyrics are kind of based around. The my eyes are reborn, you know, witness suffering, that kind of thing is about yeah. this that the, the self reflection, the self reflective process you go through when you do have an extreme hallucinogenic experience. Um, but then the rap part um, came to me because I was I was on the road, you know, as as I am and. I'm looking at like yep. I'm looking at I'm looking at like tour flyers and you know flyers for festivals, and I just started reading off the band names and I started to kind of make a rap out of it. You know, I just started being like, uh, you know, yeah. wow, like, like that's kind of cool that I could probably use all these band names and make a rap. And so when we were writing that song, initially the rap wasn't there at all, and I was just doing the you know I both see and am God lyrics. That's that was what the chunk of the song uh, was and is, mm -hmm. and then there was that break in it. And I was like, I'm like, what would be really cool here? And then I remembered, like, I've actually been working on a, on a rap that might fit in this space. And so I just kind of interjected it. But then when you look at the whole thing together, it ends up being this kind of, like, very egocentric, antagonistic kind of song where, like, I'm not shitting on anybody. I'm not saying that anyone sucks. But I'm saying, like, you're all great, but not as great as me. You know, that's kind of the attitude <laughs> of the song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, it just um, goes back to what you're saying earlier about the band being full of bravado and the like. I think it matches it well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I, I knew that people would talk about it. I mean, you know, obviously, at, at the end of it, it's, I definitely want people to have something to like think about and ponder because otherwise, you're just you know, I, my my idea with music and art is that like, if people aren't saying something, then you know, what I'm saying then like you failed. Even, even if they're saying it sucks, at least they're saying something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you want to, you want to, you want to invoke some kind of reaction from your listeners. So I, I knew that that would get people buzzing, and everyone would be kind of trying to figure out what I'm talking about or what I mean. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not like some kind of negative connotation where I'm saying all these bands are like, uh, you know, less than or whatever. I think they're all good, good bands and good dudes and stuff. But uh, obviously, I, I just was like trying to be creative and make something interesting for the song and try to piece it together in a way that it all makes sense so that, you know, when you read the first lyric compared to the last lyric, you don't, you're not lost. It all seems to come together, even though, like I mentioned before, they're actually two completely separate ideas that just somehow ended up existing together in the same space. Yeah. 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 And what your comments there allude to, uh, and these, the dreaded word controversy that has followed you around for some of your career. And of course, that inspires some of the comments and some of the conversations that people then go and have on Blabbermouth or Invisible Oranges or the PRP, all of those things that I think, to be honest with you, may have been quite harsh to you in the past and probably just used you as a bit of clickbait. Is that something that you felt as well? Um, I think 
that in this kind of like game I'm playing with like you know trying to like be like a figure in music, which is obviously what my end goal is. Um, mm -hmm. It's better to be hated than ignored, and it took me a long time to get to that place to kind of make that realization. But I'm not like angry or upset about um, how I've been put in the press. I mean, there's been a lot of times where I've admittedly like done and said things that were low hanging fruit that are very easy to criticize and poke holes in and you know say I'm this or that and whatever. I mean, that's all fair. But um, I don't take any of it personally. You know, like as far as I'm concerned, like I, I see it as like a a gross positive. You know, what I'm saying I think that in the end yeah. of it all, it's like yeah, like. I, I'd be more concerned if people weren't saying anything, honestly, at this point, <laughs> you know, and oh, I, think that yeah. that's, I think that maybe gets lost on people. They don't really realize that, you know, you're, they, I, I, whether their intentions are to, um, you know, vilify me or, you know, whatever, uh, deplatforming, whatever the case is, um, to me, it's like, yeah, you're, 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 I'm still in the realist, real estate of your mind, which is the best place I could possibly be. Yeah, good on you, mate. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And look, I've got to go back and talk about uh, or ask you a question there about LSD and trips and ask you if you've seen the film Beyond the Black Rainbow. No, I never even heard of that. Oh, please do. Yeah, you'd get it. Yeah, that, that, okay. there's a 15-minute there's a scene in that film that makes no sense even after the 10th watch. But then after that, just, it's on YouTube, actually. It's fairly easy to, to find. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, I, it's I, an, I just wrote it down. Yeah. yeah, it's a truly amazing scene, and I think someone like yourself will, will understand that film quicker than most, actually, quicker than just about anybody else, really, because that <laughs> that whole film is a big acid trip, and I can't remember the name of the, the producer and director now, but he is a genius, and, and I'm just diving into the rest of his stuff. I think another film is called Mandy, um, and it's it's all truly, it's like, let's get a regular film, but let's make it as if we were on a trip or LS taking LSD and it, they just get it right. If you're familiar with those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to check it out. Yeah. Now just talk about your vocal again, because uh, it's, it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed is your evolution on that front because they, it's just vicious on hindsight. And I'd like to know how you've achieved that because a lot of people try to put that David Vincent from where the slime live vocal effect on their voice and it just sounds like shit but you've done something similar and it sounds epic it's just brutal it wants to climb out of my earpod speakers here and punch me in the face <laughs> but uh you, yeah, yeah 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 tell me about what's the effect you're using there well um you know uh there's there's parts of what you're hearing that's just my natural voice but at times I've, I've, I'll see comments and they'll be like, what is that effect? And I'm like, that's not even an effect. That's just how my Shit. voice really sounds. But it's it's what I what I like to do is I, I do enjoy taking what's already there. Because my voice is, for whatever reason, my voice has like a natural distortion to it. Like, I, I know that sounds kind of strange, but if you were to ask anybody who's ever, sure. you know, produced me, they'd say the same thing. There's just this natural overtone of a distortion that I naturally produced from my voice so you take that already distorted kind of fucked up sound that i naturally make and then i like to tweak it even harder and you know put it through just different kinds of vocal chains and just see what it you know see what the end result is you know i, I like to be experimental in that sense you know i i don't think it's a bad thing to make something sound almost unnatural i think that makes it in fact more fun to listen to you know that's the kind of stuff i like i like things that push the extremes so um that's definitely what I try to do, uh, you know, with every album, or at least as I become more conscious of it, I try to be, you know, be more creative in that sense because I think that's what will 
really you know make or break the, the listener experience is sure. the voice needs to have that kind of like special uh, flair to it you know I, I agree yeah and look it, it has evolved but I'd like to ask you uh, from from whom did you receive inspiration early on was it the, the David Vincents and the uh, Barney Greenways I, I dude on some real shit I don't even know who you're talking about <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not even trying to like epic uh, I love it yeah I'm not trying to like clown your I, I don't even are they those are metal singers I have no idea who they are yeah morbid angel singer and napalm death singer yeah. oh okay okay yeah yeah now see now names sound familiar I, I, I couldn't put it together but no, um, yeah, I'm, yeah I, no it's, no it's I, I like those bands. Say that. yeah I like those sorry. bands I, I like uh morbid angel and napalm I think they're they're dope um but those aren't. I would. I wouldn't cite them as inspirations um, musically or anything like that. I'll do. I, I do enjoy them. Was it? Was it more of the hip hop artists that you you were sort of inspired by when you first started doing this? Um. No. I mean, like, I just grew up in a house with music. Like, my parents were country and like singer songwriters from like the '60s and '70s. Like, that was my my parents like jam. And then I, you know, obviously it was like the MTV generation. So my older brother was into like metallica faith no more and my sister was nice. paula abdul and snow and backstreet boys and there <laughs> so i just grew up hearing everything and i liked everything and then as i got older and made my own kind of discoveries of you know bands and artists i gravitated towards and those end up being the ones that really i guess inspired me like people like um jonathan davis fred durst uh, seth putnam jamie josta um, I mean, really, the list goes on and on. You know, Carly Coma from Candiria, and just there's, I, I, you know, if you, if Corey, you know, Slip, Corey Taylor from Slipknot. I mean, honestly, I spent a lot of my youth, my youth being like ages like eleven to fourteen, just like in my parents' basement, like just singing along to records. Like that's all I would do. Would pretend oh, yeah. I was putting on a private concert, you know, to you know, to nobody, and just sing along to these albums and emulate all these people, and then. I just I'm just kind of like a I'm just like a concoction of all these people that I you know I emulated over the years pretty much in my own style. Yeah, okay. That's great. I mean, what what you're doing is extremely original and it sounds like it's entirely original. Then I was I was actually uh, I think it's very uh, refreshing to know that you, you hadn't you didn't know that David Vincent was a morbid angel and Barney was in, in Napalm Death because I think especially musicians we sort of get conditioned to go in certain directions based on bands we like and based on what they say as well i'm a musician as well you see and i know that i've done that a little bit in the past where as a youth no i'm 42 these days because i really don't give a shit i like whatever i like and that's it but yeah uh, as a musician yeah i think you've got to be inspired from wherever you get inspiration and just go with the flow oh yeah for sure uh I'm, i definitely never shy away from you know what's what inspires me and you know artists i've liked i've never had any kind of like feelings of like guilty pleasure or shame about the things that i enjoy so music is no different for me I, you know like again like I, I i like i do like mormon angel and napon death and stuff like that but um they're just not in like my zeitgeist of people i reference when i say like sure. yeah, like those guys really you know set me up to where i am now or whatever hmm. hey just just talk about josh because i think he's as important to heavy metal in 2020 as to what trey from morbid angel was to heavy metal back in 1992 when the band released Blessed of the Sick. Uh, Morbid Angel, my favourite all-time band, so I go right into those guys. But I digress. And and the reason I say and make that comparison is that I'm actually hearing a lot of emerging bands sound like a Muir these days. And the way Josh is playing guitar, when I go back, I can hear that shift. It's when Josh joined yourself and he got that, 
that prominence that you were able, that platform, if you don't mind me saying, that you were able to help him achieve. He's always a great guitarist with his previous bands, but I think with Amur, he actually finally got that audience he deserved. Um, but look, you might have told the story in the past, but can you tell me how yourself and, and Josh linked up? Because uh, again, as I said at the beginning of the conversation, I think what you guys are doing is you really are at the centre of moving heavy metal forward in 2020. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've known who Josh is for a long time, and the re- the way we initially started talking was, you know, via MySpace. This is like 2006, I think, or 2005. It was a long, almost 15 years ago, pretty much. And uh, we just, I just had, was listening to one of his bands, and I messaged them. I was like, yo, your band is dope. Like, who am I talking to? And like, oh, it's the guitar player, Josh. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is my band, yada, yada. And obviously, MySpace was like such like a fucking pivotal tool, you know, for DIY bands that, you know, in that era. And so mm-hmm. just make, I was just making connections with people like that, you know, here and there. And he was someone I stayed in touch with and who I was always a fan of. And um, I always wanted to do a project with him. Like we would talk about it like very seldom here and there. Like, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be probably really sick. And then obviously when um, <clears throat> the mass exodus happened in 2015, he was pretty much the first person on my hit list where I was like, yeah, this is, I think this would be a great time to get him involved and see what this could become. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I, you know, I think the, uh, the choice paid in dividends, you know, in, in every, in every direction, you know, he's been, a he's been such a boost for the band, you know, like so many people love that he's a part of this. And, you know, obviously his output is, I think is some of the best material Amir has ever done you know, period, you know? So, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a, a huge positive all around. Yeah, it's an outstanding partnership, mate. I really can't say enough positive things about what you guys are doing together. Because for somebody like myself that really came through the ranks and was around really when death metal broke and the like, I haven't heard anything what, like what you guys are doing for such a long time. And it's so refreshing. There, there are some great bands out there. Like uh, I've heard, you know, Imperial Triumphant. They're a fellow New York-based band. Um, there are some bands that are doing some new and interesting things, but they just haven't quite got the career that you've managed to put behind you yet. So it's just uh, it's just great to to sort of have a new album. And I really, you know, of course, I have no reason to believe otherwise. But another new album on the horizon sometime in the next couple of years, because you have been prolific in your output. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have a new album out, like honestly, as soon as possible. I, I don't think I'm going to wait another three years like we did with Look at Yourself in Hindsight. Um, I'd rather just put out as much as I can while there's still, you know, life in me. Um, I don't know uh, if it'll happen because of all that's going on in the world and just just all this fucking, you know, oh God, yeah. Yeah. tribulation that we're all living through and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I would like to I would like to say that new new Amur record is like definitely something you could look forward to in the immediate future. But I'm just kind of playing it by ear, you know. Isn't it ridiculous what the hell's going on at the moment, mate? I mean, I'm on Twitter, of course, and I see the, the carnage and the chaos and the looters going into Louis Vuitton and Nike stores. How on earth that can help the cause, whatever it might be these days, because it seems to be changing by the minute. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And then, of course, we've got the, the, the yelling and the shouting happening over here as well, as you've probably seen it's happening in, in Europe. But, mate, are you... Uh, I mean, don't disclose where you're living, of course, but, mate, wherever you are in the United States uh, is... Uh, Mate, is that chaos near to you? Well, uh, it seems like every time there's like going to be like a, a new presidential race, that there's some kind of like crazy, like uh, I don't know, 
like social event that happens where like you know everyone sure, seems yeah. to be politically charged um so i mean i don't know it's never been like how it is now i don't have any point in history to you know re relate this to or you know anything like that but or measure it measure it against like it's definitely like such a unique and crazy um and troubling time to be alive but uh I guess back to what I was saying with the music, it's like, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, this doesn't put the brakes on any any plans I might have, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know where the world's heading. It's it's kind of crazy. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's we, we, You're spot on, actually. I was, I was just thinking, I was listening to Dave Rubin before, and uh, he had an excellent guest on from, uh, oh, God, let me tell you who it was just quickly so I get it right. Dave Rubin talks to Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire, and some of the shit that's going on there at the moment is just insane. And I, I do feel for people in the United States, because at the university I go to, there are a lot of kids and, and young adults there that do come from your part of the world, and uh, some of the nicest people I've met are from your part of the world. But, maybe, I mean, it might not be chaotic, but certainly the scenes that I'm seeing on Twitter and everything else, uh, on, on other social media platforms, is certainly giving the impression that the walls are starting to cave in. But I, I agree with you completely there. About every bloody presidential year, there seems to be something happening. And, uh, I mean, at some point in time, families and the like just want to be left in peace to raise kids and go about their daily lives. And that's across all spectrums. You know, that's not a, not a racial thing whatsoever there. But, uh, mate, what do we do? We are mere mortals and mere players in this game of life. Yeah, it's very true, man. Well said. Mm. Mate, uh, you can tell I'm a fan. Uh, I love what you've been doing. Thank you so much for the conversation. If you're comfortable with everything we've spoken about, I plan on releasing it for my podcast series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm comfortable with the recording, so I hope, hope people that hear it enjoy it for sure. Yeah, thanks, brother. Actually, final question is, I know you were down, and it's impossible to say potentially, but are there plans on the horizon to come back down here again? Yes, I mean, nothing concrete, but obviously, if anyone would be willing to invite us, we would love to take the trip. I mean, we've got the time, we've got the uh, resources, we'd love to come perform again, uh, you know, especially down there where, you know, it's been really good for, to us every time we've gone, so. Wicked, yeah, fantastic, yeah. mate. All right, I'll leave it there. Well, congratulations on everything, mate, and hopefully we can catch up again in the near future. Yeah, man, all the best. <clears throat> Thanks, mate. All right, Ciao. catch ya. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the Alias Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was none other than Frankie Palmieri from Amur. Thanks so much for listening.